You've heard of the law of attraction. You've likely even tried some of the old school manifestation techniques. Why, after saying hundreds of positive affirmations and constantly attempting to get into some high vibe state, does it feel like nothing is shifting? It's likely because you aren't manifesting from your unique energetic alignment. Want to find out how you can manifest more consistently and effectively? Take the short, fun, and informative quiz that we created and learn how to understand and utilize your energy to create abundance in your business. Go to www.manifestationquiz.com and take the quiz today. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Welcome back to the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. Thank you so very much for spending some time with me today. You're in for a treat. My friend is here. My friend Michelle Spring is with us. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Yay, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I'm surprised that you didn't say no when I asked. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a little inside joke between us, but share with everyone why I said that. Because Nick and I tend to take on too much. <laughs> Who, me? No. <laughs> we made a pact this year that we were going to simplify our lives and we were going to say no to additional things. I don't know if either of us have actually <laughs> been successful in this, but this was what we were trying to do. Every time I see Michelle, I stand behind her and I, and I say, no, no, I whisper it to her. <laughs> Because no is so important. I don't think people realize the power of no. I mean, I always used to say, I say yes to everything. When I think when you're first starting out, that's really important to say yes. If you get asked, say yes. But there comes a point where you have to say no. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you're dealing with a chronic disease like I do, or anybody who has too much stress, saying no is vitally important but probably one of the hardest things people have to do. Yeah. So speaking of chronic disease, talk to me about your journey. I want to hear your journey because I don't think we've ever really sat down as friends and had this conversation fully of when you got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Yeah, sure. So it really kind of started out I had been doing Ironman triathlons. I was really into working out and pushing my body as hard as I could and everything. And then one year after doing one, I never recovered. It just felt like I had just completed it the day before, months and months after. I could not run. I could not do anything. Went to the doctor, thought I had mono, and he found out that I had what he diagnosed as hypothyroidism, which is a low thyroid hormone. And for eight years after that, I just took medication for my thyroid. That's all he said I could do. There was nothing else that could be done. But yet, over those eight years, I kept on getting worse and worse. And I kept having thyroid symptoms. Like, it was just like I was always cold. I was so tired no matter what I did. I was losing my hair, my skin. Like, I started getting acne. And I never even had acne as a teenager. It was crazy. My menstrual cycle was wackadoo. <laughs> like, it was just everything seemed like it was going wrong and it was nothing was related. And 
every time I went back to my doctor, I said, what can we do? What can we do? And he says, there's nothing else. If I make your medication higher so that you don't, so you have more energy, then you'll get osteoporosis. So there was just this feeling of hopelessness. And then I had my, both my kids. And one day I was sitting out back and one of my children, they were toddlers at the time, came over to me and said, mommy, can you play? And once again, and this has been a, a pattern, I had to say, no, I have no energy. I like literally, like it was a bone deep exhaustion and I couldn't do it. Like it's just, and it broke my heart. And at that point I said, there has to be a better way. And so at that point I had actually been researching diet as a mechanism for getting over things like hypothyroidism. I suspected at the time that I had a gluten issue and I suspected at the time that my issue was actually autoimmune, AKA Hashimoto's thyroiditis, but my doctor had never said so. But with these suspicions, I decided to find a functional medicine practitioner, spent a boatload of money, but he helped diagnose me with Hashimoto's and celiac disease. So this whole time I had been eating pretty much gluten, everything. That was my diet. It was gluten and maybe a veggie or two. And I had celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease where when you consume gluten, it attacks your tissues. And so I started to go on the autoimmune protocol, which is an elimination diet where you remove a lot of foods um, that are known to be problematic for people with autoimmune disease. So you, you take those out for a couple of weeks to months, and then you start methodically reintroducing foods one by one. And within three or so weeks of being on this diet, I felt better than I had in 15 years. Wow. And this is after, you know, my doctor saying there's nothing that can be done. Diet would never help or anything, right? And <laughs> so just, just having that knowledge was amazing. Within like six weeks, the brain fog that had been completely holding me down went away. And I, I mean, it's just like, it was almost as if I didn't have any sort of autoimmune disease at that point. So like I just did the diet. I eventually got to a, a point where I'm pretty much on like a paleo-ish diet. It's like paleo, but I do have grains. Sometimes I'll have dairy and things occasionally. But when I'm at home eating my normal diet, it's, it's mainly paleo. And that's where I feel my best. But then I've also learned through the years that if I don't pay attention to things like my sleep quality or exercise, I can no longer do long cardio kind of things because they cause me to flare and it's stress on the immune system on the body. And then I also have to really pay attention to my stress levels and what's causing me stress and all of that. Cause stress has been a huge trigger for me. So through all of this, that's how I've gotten to like health coaching and everything, because I want to be able to help other people understand this and then understand that there is hope. And it's not just what I'm not knocking doctors in any means. Like a lot of them don't know any better, but a lot of times doctors will tell you that there's nothing that can be done, but there is a lot that you can do. And that's what I want to bring to people. Yeah. Okay. I love this on, you know, a multitude of levels for lots of reasons. Obviously we share some similar similarities in that, you know, uh, fibromyalgia is not a, an autoimmune disease. It is uh, considered a brain and it's a syndrome, but the things that work for fibromyalgia are similar to the things that work for the, these autoimmune diseases. So when you say that you want, when on 
an elimination diet. And this is how I came to my diet too, is through elimination. So I'm really fascinated. What are the things that you took out or that you suggest that people take out? So for the autoimmune protocol, it's, it's a subset of paleo, really. So with paleo, you take out grains and dairy, a lot of processed foods and beans, legumes. With the autoimmune protocol, you also remove nightshades because nightshades tend to be very problematic for especially people with like arthritis and, and other kind of joint things. Also nuts and seeds. So what are nightshades? Yeah. Just if, if nightshades are things like uh, tomatoes, eggplants, chili peppers, paprika, like a lot of those spices, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Very common in our diet. <laughs> <laughs> That's so American, that diet right there. It so is, yeah. <laughs> And it's not to say that these things are bad for people with autoimmune disease. I want to make sure I point that out. It's not that these are inherently bad. It's just some people react to them. And so, and some people react to them when they already have the conditions that are causing the autoimmune disease to flare. When you get rid of those conditions, like a leaky gut, you, you may be able to tolerate them with no problem. Like, for example, I have no problem with nightshades, but some other person may not be able to tolerate them. I do. Yeah. I have problems with my chest. Yeah. yeah, I absolutely do. And it, it, it stems from the leaky gut issue that I mm-hmm. had, that it has been a ongoing, honestly, process to heal. It's it's not a one and done. It's been a years. I mean, it's much better. I can say that. But it, it's definitely been a process. For sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like dairy. I can finally have a little bit of dairy, like ice cream with my kids once in, in a while. But other than that, There is no dairy (laughs) in my diet, zero dairy in my diet. The minute I have dairy, it is just like the Mm. worst, absolute worst. That is even more so than gluten for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's different, like you said, for everyone. And so eliminating, so you take all this stuff out that you just mentioned. And then I I don't know if, if, if you experienced this, but I was like, oh my God, now I'm scared to bring it back. Oh yeah. Oh, that's the most common thing that I come across. Is that you have that little cocoon of safety. You know what works for you. And the last thing you want to do is reintroduce something that might m- make you feel crappy again. Like, yeah. no. Yeah. But you did, and you began to. And w- what did you bring back? Like, how, w- was there an order? Is there a, was there a way that you did it? Yeah. So with the autoimmune protocol, there is a specific order that's recommended just based on the things that usually are easier to reintroduce for most people. So like you remove like nuts and seeds. So those are some of the first things that you bring back and things like dairy and gluten are the last things to bring back. Right. So that way, like you have, it helps with confidence, but it also helps just to make sure that you're not going to keep, you know, hurting yourself along the way. So yeah, I followed the process. I had a little bit of an issue at first with eggs. They didn't treat me quite well at first, but then I was able to reintroduce them like it was almost just a month later. It wasn't even that long. The one that really threw me for a loop was paprika. I, I reintroduced paprika and I was depressed. Like mm-hmm. I was at a show, like a concert and sitting there the whole time. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> it's like the weirdest thing, but I tried it like every couple of months and it was the exact same response until finally it finally went away after I had enough healing. And I think that took a full year, but it was very interesting that like the responses that yeah. it's not, yeah. And, 
and that it was that you were able to find the pattern, which I mm-hmm. think is really, really important for people to hear is that what you're doing is you're backing up the lens, the camera lens, so that you can see the patterning. Like yeah. you said, it happened over months, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you took time in between. And so you could, you could sort of see that bigger picture of sorts. You mentioned that, um, you know, not to dog the doctors out there, because that's not what we want to do. There's some wonderful doctors out there. And there are also some doctors that need more education in more of the holistic aspects, which, you know, that is a, a fight I've been championing in uh, the, the fibromyalgia community. But what do you think is missing from the sort of approach to medicine currently that they need to know? I think, so it's interesting. I just got done studying Qigong and yoga. So I've learned a lot of stuff from the Eastern philosophies. And I also went to a functional medicine practitioner. And through all of them, you look for the root cause. In Western medicine, it seems to be we're like a car. (laughs) Like You go to the brain doctor. You go to the ear, nose, and throat doctor. You go to the cardiologist for your heart. And everybody is separate. And nobody's really looking at the other parts to see how they work together, whether or not you have symptoms that may actually point to something else. And so I feel like I understand that doctors do need to do that because there are specific situations in which it's helpful to have a specialist in a like a certain area. But at the same time, if doctors could take a little bit more of a holistic approach and a gastroenterologist can actually ask somebody what they eat. Mm. <laughs> it may actually lead to some clues about what's happening. And just all of these people, if they could take a little bit more of a root cause approach, I think would be so much more helpful. And part of that is time. Because of the healthcare system, the way that it's set up, because of the insurance companies, let's be honest, the way that is set up, we can dog the insurance companies now. That, the way that it's set up, <laughs> They only get a certain amount of time that they're paid for. And so they can only ask a certain number of questions. And so they they zone in on their specialty and talk about that only without looking at the bigger picture and the whole. I think for me, one of the reasons that I have been successful managing my fibromyalgia even before I knew that I had what it was, is that I would get to the root. I was so curious. I think you have to be insanely curious about your body and about yourself and about the mind, body, spirit, speaking of the Eastern philosophies, that the connection between all of them. Because I knew somehow, innately, on a, at a deep level, that the stomach issues that I w- were having were related to my childhood trauma. Like, I knew that to be true. I just, I don't know how I knew that, but I knew. And I knew that if I was only looking at the physical, it would just come back that I had to go deeper. I had to dig in. What do you feel? And I, you said you have been studying Qigong, which honestly, I don't, yoga, I got. Yoga, I know. I know yoga. I have thousands and thousands of hours of yogic study, yogic philosophy. That's my jam, right? But I don't know that much about, about Qigong. What is it and how has it helped you? So Qigong is an ancient Chinese movement practice that helps to move chi or the life force energy through your body. And it's, there's several different ways of practicing Qigong, but it's like Tai Chi is an example of what people are most used to. They're from the same root. 
but it's like a flowing practice. And what you're doing is unlocking this chi or energy in your body that gets stagnant. It's the same principle as acupuncture. You put needles into the body or acupressure so you can move the energy so that you're not getting the stagnant chi that can cause health problems, issues in your head, all of this kind of thing. So just by moving and stretching and doing all these activation exercises, you're moving it through your body. And it's been a beautiful practice for me because, well, A, it helps connect you back to your body. I think just kind of like yoga does as well. And it's not something like running, running. I used to go put on headphones, some loud music and go run. And yeah, I mean, I would know if my knee started hurting, but otherwise I was trying to tune out and I was just trying to get through it. Right. Whereas practices like yoga and Qigong, it's the breath. It's really trying to figure out where, how you're moving gracefully, your limbs, where they're going, all of that kind of stuff. So it's really connecting you to your body And it's like a moving meditation because it can help you calm your mind while also giving yourself more energy and also health benefits because you're moving all of, I mean, if you are purely looking at it from a Western perspective, you're at least moving blood through your body that you may not have done so by just sitting in a chair or even just going for a walk because it's an all over body thing where you're getting into joints and places that you would never even get to having you're not being doing these movements yeah i've seen it before obviously i I don't know the practice i've watched Mm -hmm. it i think it's incredibly beautiful so graceful and so beautiful to watch but i haven't done it it's like oh wow there's something that i haven't tried i'm like been the eat pray love guy right like i've literally tried i thought everything i've been to a sweat lodge i've been to ayahuasca i've been to this i've been to that right this is one I have not tried. And I'm kind of like, oh, I need to try it now. <laughs> you should. <laughs> I'm, I'm inspired. But going back to this idea of trauma and how it affects chronic disease, what is that connection? Or do you have an idea of how the emotions or how, how trauma connects with autoimmune? So in my understanding, we are supposed to switch between our parasympathetic or rest and digest mode and our sympathetic mode every couple of hours, depending on whatever source you're looking at. It's like between 90 minutes and like four hours, right? And so many of us, unfortunately, are stuck in our sympathetic fight or flight mode because of things like deadlines and bills and traffic and all of this other stuff, but also our thoughts, our beliefs, and past trauma, things that we're not even like consciously aware of. Our subconscious can react to triggers that we may see in our environment or things we hear. Anything could trigger this response in our body, and we may not even know that it's happening. So if like you have a past trauma because maybe you got in a car accident with a field of lavender, and then you smell lavender, your whole brain's going through this whole entire process like, oh, I'm going through that car accident again. And it puts you in that fight or flight mode again, keeps you there. And while that's happening, all of your housekeeping activities that happen in the parasympathetic rest and digest mode are not happening. Things like toxin removal, tissue repair, immune system function, like memory consolidation, all of these things are not happening. And that's what keeps you healthy. And that's what keeps you away from having chronic disease and all of that. So when you're not getting that, because you're stuck in the the trauma response, then just everything just goes to pot. And my favorite example, No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was going to add to that and say, and I think that, you know, 
I know for me, I always thought it was because of the big T trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, of course, the big T trauma that I dealt with in therapy and been still dealing with for years, blah, blah, blah. But it's also the little T trauma. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be, you know, some, you don't need to have been homeless. You don't need to have been addicted to drugs. You don't need to have been sexually abused. Like it can be little T trauma as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, you were witness to me last week learning about a seventh grade skate party where girls made fun of me for something. That has been a response that I've had. And it is actually, we discovered this week, been causing me to go into a trauma response. I literally had the like closing in of the eyes where like your your vision starts to come in and the breath was really coming fast and my, my heart was beating and everything because of that event had led to something else that I was believing about myself in the future. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the reasons that, you know, you speak of the breath, that that I'm such a proponent of pranayama, of breath work, is because it does take you out of that, the sympathetic and moves you, kind of pushes you, but moves you into the parasympathetic. It relaxes you, actually doesn't push you into the parasympathetic nervous system from a dysregulated state to a regulated state. And the more that you practice it, the more the, it automatically takes you there. So when you do get into fight or flight, you, you can pause, you take a breath, and it moves you into a dysregulated, uh, into a regulated state from the dysregulated state. Exactly. Yeah. And even if you're over there for a second, yeah. it's, it's money in the bank. Every time that you do it, your body, your, the neural pathways start being built that remind your brain to do that in those situations and eventually you can do it for longer periods of time and get even more bang for your back. Yeah. 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 It's good. It's really good. So, okay. What tools or modalities do you find work best with your clients that you have seen other than the ones that we've spoken of? Is there anything else? Uh, I tend to use things like hypnosis a lot Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of my clients come to me just in a way that they're not so open to just talking about it. <laughs> you know, like sometimes, it, I mean, I'm the same way. I don't do as well with it. Someone can tell me that I'm having a limiting belief or that I'm doing a habit or something like that, but I'm like, great. And then, you know, biting my nails and <laughs> it doesn't actually stop it. Whereas going straight to the subconscious, either through hypnosis or through like NLP techniques or something like that, I, I find to really help with a lot of these kind of beliefs and habits that need to be shifted. And then just simple things like journaling and guided meditation have been really helpful as well, because it helps you to uncover where you may be holding yourself back or getting into these trauma responses or having strange beliefs that you're like, really? Do I <laughs> really that. believe that? Yeah. 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 By must, I wrote it down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are, you know, those are the tools from the toolbox that, you mm-hmm. know, that when you have that toolbox, you can pull from, particularly if you find yourself being brought up against your ish, the, you go to the toolbox. So I appreciate you sharing some of those with us. We do what we call the final three, fast three around here. And so I'm just going to throw some questions at you. And I want your very intuitive First response, whatever comes up, Michelle, whatever comes up. All right, throw it at me. Here we go. Who 
would you like to collaborate with that you have not yet? Ooh, good question. I don't know why I, Gwyneth Paltrow sticks in my mind. <laughs> I mean, goop, hello. <laughs> Come on, Gwenny. Let's I don't think on. that would be cool. I don't know. I know, we, like, lover or hater, right? But I, like, I think she's incredible in a lot okay. of pioneering. I love her. I have no, you know, there are people out there as people listen like, ew, Gwyneth, oh, I love her. Shakespeare in love. I've loved her since then. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yes, she's a Nepo baby. Who cares? I don't care. She's, I don't she's care. amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> Goop is Goop is like bringing all of that we're talking about to a mass. Mm-hmm. And so for me, yeah. that's amazing. And exactly. yeah, who wouldn't want to, who wouldn't want to collaborate with Goop? Okay. Second question. Here we go. Are you ready for number two? No, I'm not, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) What can use my brain? (laughs) What is your next great manifestation? Ooh, this is a good one. I have to say it's going to be a car for my husband because he's driving a, how old's my son now? He's 13. He's driving a 13 year old car that's falling apart. It's time. It's time. time. Yeah. I love, I love that. Okay. So now we can share that you and I were in a competition together <laughs> and you won, just you won, speaking of mm-hmm. manifesting, $20,000. Yeah. And mm-hmm. dare I say, I was the runner up. I was like, oh, we had to give these speeches, right? And you, you gave your speech and I went, she just won. Like I knew. I knew, we all knew, everyone knew. It was a brilliant speech. Congratulations on manifesting that $20,000. And with that same sort of belief, that car's coming. That's what I want to say to you. But I knew. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> right, after she, right after you went. I was like, damn it, I just lost that. <laughs> Your speech was beautiful too, Nick. I know. It was runner-up. <laughs> Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. No, it was great. I was so happy for you. Honestly, we joke, but it, I truly was. I was like, yes. And then you put this video. I, I saw this video of your kids when you told them you were going to Disney Disney World. And I was like, okay, that's why this 20K happened. I didn't need that 20K. What was 20K going to do for me? Yeah, of course, 20K is nice. And yeah, of course, it's going to do things for me. But what it, it did for your kids, I was like, this was hers. This was yours. It was so beautiful. So, car for the husband next. Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And if I was to lose to anybody, it was to be to you. In a very Miss America way, I wanted to hold your hand and, like, have flowers, you know, and put the (laughs) crown on your head. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Ned. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Final question. Fill in the blank. I am... I, all right, you'll get this one too. I am a guide. Yeah. I had that realization last week. I've always been trying to go for the expert status and never feeling like I could ever get there, but understanding that through my experience, I can help people cut through the noise. So it feels so empowering. Like I've made such shifts ever since I made that slight shift. It's a slight shift, but yeah. Yeah, because expert puts you in this position of, of hierarchy, mm-hmm. right? And I never have liked that word consequently. Like, I'm up here and you're down there. 
And it's funny that you say guide because in my storytelling courses, I talk about the guide and in all of that's, that's the term that we use for you as the, the business owner. And in all great stories, the hero, shiro, or they row journey, there is a guide, you know, the archetypal figure of the guide. So this makes complete sense to me that you fully stepped in and owned your guide. You can call me Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> May the force fourth be with you because today's the third but tomorrow's the fourth, yeah, fourth when we're when we're recording this by the way but may the fourth be with you oh you, you as well michelle thank you so much for coming on today and talking about your journey and being honest about it and uh sharing your insights where can people reach you on the interwebs it's thriving on paleo at most places, or you can just search for Michelle Spring. It's Michelle with one L though. My parents were mean to me. <laughs> they made you different. They made you stand out. Michelle yes, with one L. <laughs> Thank you again so much. Please be sure to DM Michelle and me and let me know what your takeaway was from today's episode. I sure enjoyed this conversation with my friend and, uh, I know you did too. So send us some love. Thank you all so very much. See you next time.